Welcome. Welcome to Modern Mind. To Modern Mind. Ancient book. Ancient book. Where we together explore one of the most important books in human history. Hello and welcome to another Modern Mind ancient book. <coughs> Today we are going to be doing a survey of the book of Leviticus. The Hebrew title is Waigra, which is the opening phrase of the book, and it means he called. The English title is based on the Greek title, which is Leotikon, and that's from the Septuagint. The translation of the Greek title means that pertaining to the Levites. So, that's why we have Leviticus. We used the Greek title, that pertaining to the Levites, and we called it Leviticus. The Hebrew title is focused more on God calling Moses, leading the priests calling to worship, that sort of thing. It's, It's directional volition. And he called, so you do. It's that sort of focus. Meanwhile, the Hebrew title is focusing on the um, statutes and directions and really minoring on, which is a, a major part of this. There, there's many mentions of the Levites, but it's not all of the content because Leviticus also covers laws and things like that, but it also covers the entire community of Israel. It's how they were to conduct themselves. As they were now changing from the Hebrews, from the other side, which they had always been, that particular statement is so true of the Jewish people. The first Hebrew was Abraham, who came from the other side, being Ur, to Canaan, and then to Egypt, and then back to Canaan. He was always from the other side because he was never at home. Then you had Joseph, who went down to Egypt, and then all of his family. They were from the other side. And now you have the people heading to the other side of a sea, which had just swallowed their enemies. And now they're also from the other side. So, the authorship of this is Moses. There's 56 times that Leviticus indicates that the Lord gave laws and instructions to Moses. This book continues the story of God's work in the Hebrews to create them to be, to help them become the nation that we know today of Israel. When Exodus ends, Leviticus uh, resumes telling the story. The glory of God was with the Hebrews. It led them to the sea, 
It led them through the sea. It crushed their enemies. And then they were commanded to build the tabernacle. They did build the tabernacle. At the final part of Exodus, the the tabernacle has been constructed and the glory of God had settled. Leviticus picks up about the first month of 1445 BC after they crossed the Red Sea. And it provides instructions for the priests to lead the people to worship the Lord their God and instructions for the people to live a holy life in relationship to the Lord their God. This is the beginning of the theocracy which would rule Israel for quite some time before they took a king. The first recipients were the Exodus generation. They were the people that the Lord God had delivered and redeemed through the ten plagues and through the Passover or Pesach. That's the most ancient tradition that Israel practices today. These people, they were not the new generation, they were the old generation. They were still largely Egyptian. They had 400 years of history under servitude of Egyptian rule. These Israelites, they had seen the great power of God deliver them out of Egypt and destroy the mighty Egyptian army. They were dominated by Egyptian culture and theology, but now it was time to change. They were told to worship many gods and then Pharaoh was the rep- God's rep- representation on the earth. But now it was time to change. They have or had entered a covenantal relationship with Yahweh Elohim and they must obey him. The glory of the Lord had filled the place, the tabernacle. And that's when they knew it was time to stay and camp where they were. When the glory would lift from the tabernacle, they would then follow the glory of the Lord until he stopped. And then they would set up camp again. This is the direct record of a supernatural encounter with something that isn't easy to explain, but that Israel certainly believes, that the, that the people of Israel certainly believes took place. The Passover is celebrated to this day, and Moses is seen as a man who communicated with God, even face to face. The story of the tabernacle is believed as real, And uh, this book records that. So the way that you would want to read this is you would want to imagine in, in yourself that you entered into a new covenant relationship with the Lord God, whom you largely had just met. 
that you've contributed and participated in the building of the tabernacle. And you're now commanded to worship and walk according to the decrees which you are learning. You're familiar with some of the practice because you've heard about them and seen them in other religions. But it's not the same. Now you must learn to worship the only one true God. There's not many, there's only one. Your relationship to God is teaching you things that are very distinct from other religions. God is giving you direct revelation through your leaders and his word. All these documents started to be compiled at this time as well. God appears to you in a cloud of fire to assure you that his personal presence is there. God is the only one, the only true God. There are no others. But you, you are personally responsible for your sin. But God has provided a way for forgiveness and atonement. This God wants you to be holy because he is holy and not walk in the ways of the other nations. God does not want human sacrifices like the other nations. He's provided another sacrificial approach. The essence of your faith is to love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. You must now learn what is taught in the sacrificial system. You have to celebrate the holy gathering to praise God. You have to obey God's laws so that you'll be a good citizen of the national theocratic community that is Israel. The argument of this book is that a holy covenant God or a, a God who makes agreements with people, with you, and he is holy, establishes fellowship. And he's given you a sacrificial system for holy living. This book is to encourage Israel to have fellowship with God as a holy nation in the promised land. Now they're in the wilderness, but that's not the end. The end result is to move into the land of Canaan. You have covenants, laws, and a sacrificial system. Now, the key verse for this is Leviticus 11 and verse 45. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Some of the themes here are holiness, sanctification, atonement, blood sacrifices, the priesthood, the uh, Mosaic Covenant or Agreement, that there is a clean and there are, there are clean and there are unclean things, that you have one God, and that for certain things you can be cut off, and that there is guilt 
and sin for certain actions. This book is about the sanctification of the Hebrew nation. They were being changed from the Hebrews to the nation of Israel, whose God was their king and whose king was their God. There are six different types of blood sacrifices. You have the burnt offering or the ola. And this was to uh, re- relieve sin, to release sin, right? It was to cleanse you of sin. And it had to be a male, unblemished or perfect, ox, sheep, goat, or dove, depending on how much money you had on your wealth. The entire animal was to be burnt to nothing, absolutely burned. The next was the sin offering or the ha'atat. And this was to atone for specific transgressions where you couldn't pay, right? It was it was not something you could something that you had done that you couldn't just pay like money for. And um, this had to be if it were a priest or the congregation, it had to be a bullock. If it were a ruler, it could be a male goat. And if it were like a commoner, like one person had done it, it could be a female goat. So if it were a, a, a priest or like the, the nation itself had sin, then it had to be a very expensive sacrifice, a, a large sacrifice. If it were a ruler, it had to be a, a male goat, which is prized. And if it were just a, I don't know, a neighbor, it had to be a, a female, it could be a female goat. God's portion were the fatty cover, the fatty portions, and the kidneys and the liver. All the remainder had to be eaten within the court of the tabernacle. So this was like a barbecue. The trespass offering was the desham. And that was to atone for specific transgressions, again, where you couldn't pay for it. Um, And that was just a ram. And it was the fatty portions, and then you had to eat it in the tabernacle. The priestly offerings and the thank offerings. Well, the priestly offerings, there were three different variations. You had, these are called the shalamin. And you had the think offering or the todah. And that was like just relationship with God for, for blessings. You were, you were asking for blessings. You hadn't done anything wrong. And it had to be an unblemished or perfect male or female, ox, sheep, or goat. And the fatty portions were the Lord's. Then you would do a wave offering of the breasts to the high priest. And you would offer the right foreleg to the officiating priest, so the priest could um, the priest could eat those two items. 
and the remainder would be eaten in the court that same day, which was the breast, but the leg would could or but um yeah, it could be eaten in the court that same day. Then the votive offering or the nadir was a blessing uh, of deliverance already granted. So it was like telling God thank you for delivering you from something. And that was an unblemished male or female ox sheep or goat. It was the fatty portions for God. And then the exact same explanation for the last. There would be a wave offering of the breast to the high priest. That would be given to the high priest. And then there would be um, a heave offering is what it says. It's kind of like pushing it forward and backward. And that would be the right foreleg to the officiating priest where he would eat that. And the remainder would be eaten in the court on the first or second day. So that one you could eat the next day. And then the last one is the free will offering or the nidaba'ah. And that was to express general thankfulness. And that could be a male or female, ox, sheep, or goat. Minor imperfections permitted. So it didn't have to be perfect. And then everything else was the same. Now, there were rituals for the Levitical offerings. You had burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings. And those were like for dedications, right? So you had burnt, grain, and drink. Then you had communal offerings for fellowship as a community where everybody came together. And then you had offerings for sin and guilt. So you had dedication offerings, burnt grain and drink. You had communal offerings of fellowship with God that the community wanted to fellowship. Those are like the thank offerings. And then you had sin and guilt offerings. And there were actions that were necessary. So you had a representation and a presentation. And that would be the animal and perhaps the high priest or the animal and the high priest. Where they would present the animal and they would represent you and your guilt. And the high priest would oversee it as um, as the holy representative. There was a laying on of hands. And some of these, particularly the sin and the guilt, you would have to press your hands on a sin offering and confess your sins. Then the animal was slain. Then the animal was skinned and dismembered and washed. And the feast or the burning would take place, depending on what offering it was. Following that, well, before it was burnt, I'm sorry. Before it was burnt, there was a, a manipulation of the blood. You'd have to do something with the blood, whether it be sprinkled or dipped or whatever. Then it would be burned because the blood atone for the sin, and then the parts that were for God would be burned. In some cases, it was all the animals. In some cases, it was just the fatty portion. And then the rest would be distributed either to the priests 
the worshippers or to an ash pit out to the birds, essentially. So that's how the sacrificial system worked. There were special occasions, and in the special occasions, beside the other significance, there was also theological significance. So you had voluntary worship, um, and you had thank offerings and votive offerings and free will offerings. And then you had unintentional sin offerings and you had kind of mis misappropriation or denial or rightful due, meaning you, you did something and then you learned about it and it was wrong. The, the congregation of Israel also learned or was delivered their special holidays. First was Passover, Pesach. Next was Pentecost or Shavuot. Next was the ninth of Ab or Tish Av. Next is the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Following the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. Also, the dedication of Hanukkah, which is celebrated today. It's not mentioned in here, actually. And then also one not mentioned in here is Lots or Purim, and that's from the book of Esther. So you have laws involving whom to worship, sacrifices, holy days, vows, temple rituals, purity issues and rituals, tithes and offerings, sabbatical years, idolatry, blaspheming and curses, leadership of how the family was supposed to interact, slaves were supposed to interact with one another, land ownership, personal property, respect of persons, and justice. Also, there are laws involving warfare, divination, and food laws. I want to thank you for taking the time today, and uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Come back soon. Thank you for joining us for Modern Mind, Ancient Book. We hope that the time spent with us was valuable for you. It certainly was for us. Like Isabella said, please come back soon.